0: This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. Or go to gametime underscore pod on Twitter or email us, email Isis, don't email Isis. Email Isis. <laughs> 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 is <absolutely> subliminal <laughs> Start your <the> jihad. <laughs> Good evening, good morning. Welcome to the Game Time podcast. A bit of a mixed episode again this week. We'll have a little touch on the England results, the Bulgaria and Kosovo game scene, as we didn't have a pod last week. Apologies. Um, and then we'll go through some Premier League highlights from the weekend because there have been some. Tom's back from his holiday. And with that, we've had to sacrifice Tim and Ryan to make room for him on the pod. Tom, how are you doing? Good. Huge ego. So I need. Yeah, absolutely. There is blood on your hands. There is so much blood. Um, Thank you for coming back. Hope you had a good holiday and are well-rested. And because you're well-rested, we're going to put you straight on the spot. England, they beat Bulgaria. They made a much tougher time of it against Kosovo. Hit me. How did did you think it went? It was a really interesting game, the Kosovo. It was one of those... uh,
1: I I, I mean, quite honestly, I didn't really think much of Kosovo before the game. I I, I know they've got a few... uh, highly rated players in terms of their own stars and their own nations, but not really any standout names. Um, But yeah, I think to concede so early after, obviously, uh, the Michael Keane mistake, suddenly you're on the back foot and it was a completely different game. Actually, the game itself was was so enjoyable to watch because um, it was a combination of when they scored, we had to go forward and put loads of pressure on them. We scored two quick goals after that. I think Sterling with the header, which is obviously very rare, and then Kane immediately afterwards, and that suddenly opened the game up to well, they're chasing the game now, and that it, it was such a great spectacle. I mean, the second half performance was pretty poor. I think up until half time, especially after we conceded, we were the best, probably the best I've seen us in a, in a while. I mean, even the comfortable win over Bulgaria the, the few days before, I think we were still much better against Kosovo in that first half. But that second half performance, it was lacklustre. I do feel that there's a lot of people who are resting on their laurels in that team, especially defensively. I am surprised that Michael Keane is the second best available centre-back. I'm not really sure what Joe Gomez has to do. Um, Maybe just not getting enough game time at Liverpool this season. But overall, I thought it was a a decent couple of results. We need one more win, obviously, from uh, the qualifying games. I think the next round round is in October. And if we win one of those games, uh, we're guaranteed to be going to the Euros uh, next summer, which I think would be a massive disappointment. But yeah, I think that the attacking players, as much as the defensive frailties were apparent, um, I think going forward we were fantastic. Uh, It was great to see Sancho get a couple of goals, and Sterling continues to score, and obviously Kane as well. Um, I thought it was a really great team to watch. Actually, it's such an exciting uh, squad we've got at the moment. Whether it's just those front three of Sancho, Sterling, and Kane, but also Rashford on the bench. Um, I think there's enough young attacking talent coming through. Mason Mount looked reasonably good in the short spells that you saw him for both games. I think there are rumours about Tammy Abraham um, probably forcing his way into, obviously, after his good performance at the weekend with Chelsea, but I think there was rumours that he's potentially looking at declaring for Nigeria, and I, I do wonder whether that's uh, a call to try and force Southgate's hand to put him in the squad next month, but it's a really exciting team to watch. I, I thought Ross Barkley played well. Um, I'm still not a huge fan of Jordan Henderson um, in, it, in it, for England, um, I'm not really sure what he does and I do think I mean Ross Barkley isn't particularly consistent for Chelsea either so so maybe it's unfair and Liverpool are top of the league comfortably at the moment he's had a great, fantastic season last year but I do feel that if we had someone a bit more creative uh, and whether that's replacing Henderson or Barkley I think that would really push us forward and make us a decent team but
0: Keane needs to be replaced did you get to watch the games? Um I did. I caught most of the Bulgaria game and then I switched it off and didn't realise that England scored a fourth. Mm-hmm. Um so that was uh, that was embarrassing when talking to people and I was like, that oh, was a good three 0 win. <laughs> and they were like You fucking liar. Um and, and then I caught the the highlights um and a little bit of the second half. Not to be um a, a Danny Downer on it, but losing the second half to yeah. Kosovo, yeah. is that something that will be sort of playing on the minds of England fans and Southgate as well, when it comes to actually, because you will qualify for the Euros, Mm. does that play a little bit on your minds to think, well, when we come up against the likes of maybe a Germany, a France, a Spain, a Portugal, that have these world-class players all over the pitch, Declan Rice can't be losing the ball in midfield, Michael Keane can't be making those sort of mistakes? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I think
1: it's, it's a worry uh, especially how easily I think in the second half. I mean, the Maguire penalty was probably, a little, it wasn't stupid, but it was a little bit unlucky to concede. Um, the, their third goal was absolutely fantastic, a great finish. But we would have conceded probably four if we'd played France or, 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 or mm. Germany, like you said. Um, I think you do settle uh, when we're 5-1 up at half-time I imagine the players are thinking, oh, we've got that sewn up. Um, and, I, and I did sort of see us uh, suddenly getting very, very nervous um, after we conceded um, to make it 5-3. But, but I think really that, that Southgate will look at that and think, well, are our, were the four at the back the, uh, the, right to shoot, the right ones to play? I mean, I actually think the right back and left back, Chilwell and, um, uh, and Trent Alexander-Arnold, probably are the starting right and left backs. Um, so, and you'd imagine Maguire's is probably the starting centre back. Maybe Stone Stone has another great, I um, hasn't particularly been in form either. Uh, but I, I think you have to question. Declan Rice had two really good games. Well, had a, sorry, had a really good game against Bulgaria. Wasn't as impressed with him against um, Kosovo. And and if you're not performing against those those low, uh, smaller oppositions, it's pretty tough to justify playing in a in a big tournament. But just disappointed. Obviously, that Callum Wilson didn't play, but I was mm-hmm. I was more disappointed Tyrone Rings didn't play because, um, especially with the error that Keane made, and I think he made an error shortly after um, this, the first the goal we conceded as well. I thought, oh, maybe they will actually strengthen, but you never really see, see substitutes get um, centre backs get substituted. I guess in, in the modern game, um, mm-hmm. so I would have liked to see Tyrone play. But apart from that, I think it was a fun game to watch and a bit would have been a bit of a well, if we'd lost or drawn, it would have been a bit more of a story. But I think because it, we probably made it look a bit more hard
0: work than it actually was in the end. Um, and It's all about qualifying now. Yeah, I, I guess that's the main aim now. It's just doesn't really matter. The result has happened now. You won the game. You yeah. can sort of learn from the performances in the next game and, and just make sure you get the job done. I mean, you mentioned Callum Wilson there. We'll talk about the Premier League now. But um, just saw a stat now and literally just pinged up on my screen that, Scream, scream that even, um, that only Raheem Sterling has bettered Callum Wilson, um, in goals and assists in the since the start of last season. Among Englishmen, Callum Wilson's second with 26, 17 goals and nine assists to Raheem Sterling's 32. So it shows that you know what, Harry Kane is, is still England's by far and away best striker, but Callum Wilson is getting the job done for and no offense to you at all, but not not a top six side, but he's still, I saw, I saw a post the other day on Reddit, um, on the um, fantasy Premier League Reddit. And it was a picture of Callum Wilson's returns from this season. And he basically hasn't got less than five points a game in FPL. And it's just a picture with the farmer that just says, it's not great, but it's an honest day's work. And I'll take that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I um, actually, he's been pretty poor this season and he's still got, obviously got two against um, yesterday. and Maybe we'll talk about that a bit more, but, um, I think actually there is a big drop off after Kane I think we have a, a plentiful supply of young attacking wingers in the English ranks uh, Rashford, Lingard and, and maybe Mason Mount as well you could class in that as well, maybe more of a creative midfielder Tammy Abraham I think could play in that slot as well, especially the way that we play a front three, is not not as much of a traditional wide man um, but I don't think we have a, as many potent number nines uh, or number 10s, mm-hmm. if you see how Kane plays. Um, so I think he's one, He's, I mean, he's probably the, yeah, maybe Wilson, um, but I think probably after that, Englishman, you're probably talking about maybe Glenn Murray. Or, or, I mean, there's not really a lot of... Big about, Glenn! Yeah, I mean, he is due a call-up. Um, <laughs> but there's not many English centre-forwards that operate in the same way Kane does, and how vital he is to the team. I think it was really apparent how important he was. He's such a threat, and you have to mark him all the time. Uh, I, there was a lot of talk about how confident his penalties were against Bulgaria, and obviously missed the one against Kosovo. Mm. Um, although, if there was VAR, I think that probably would have been retaken because I think the goalie was off the line or something. like that, I think I saw. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think his his value in, in the team. He, he is, I, I he is the first. Uh, as I think Sterling is a better overall player, but I still think Kane is the first name on the team sheet because of
0: how valuable he is and how much he impacts so much of England's play yeah for for sure I think having a like you said having a player like that in the middle of two wingers lets those wingers do what they want yeah. because the focus is is just as much on him um top shit housery from Kosovo there to delay the penalty as well and get but like one of the players got booked. they knew what they were doing yeah they knew what they were doing unnerving him yeah. but fair play um like let 's move on to the premier League and and we'll go from from England with their wonderful attacking play and defensive frailties onto Arsenal because I feel feel that's a nice. Smooth transition. Uh, 2 0 up against Watford, a side who have struggled a lot this season. Sacked the manager, Javi Gracia, before this one. Should Arsenal have seen away that game comfortably, despite the fact that in the second half, Watford had more shots than they had in any other game this season? Oh, without, without a doubt. Uh, I mean, the,
1: the first goal they con- um, that Arsenal conceded to so the Cleverly goal um, just after half time. Uh, yeah just shortly after half time uh, it, is, it is atrocious i mean it's it 's forcing yourself to play out from the back and seeing the results of that i mean <laughs> you, you, you you i mean it was just so stupid to concede and I, I read a stat today as well that um in terms of chances created from errors passing out from the back, Arsenal have got the most in the league uh, and they awesome. do consistently make errors in that sense and I, I like that. Well, I don't like David Ruiz as a player, but... Um, uh, <laughs> but Backtrack so heavily, good yeah, so sentence. quickly as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he does have that risk about him. And, and it's, it's, that's something that has followed him throughout his career. As good as he is as a defender in other areas, where he's strong in the air and a, a, a strong tackler, he does have those sort of on-the-ball areas where he'll get caught in possession. And that him and Socrates both have that in, the, in their, ironically, arsenal um so <laughs> it is there is a something that they need to think about and i know on the other end of that scale the teams that have cons- uh, made the least number of errors when playing out from the back they're not the teams that are fantastic at passing it's it's burnley and that's because mm-hmm. they play the long ball and sometimes i think you do have to recognize look we're penned in here there isn't an opportunity to play out just play long. and one of the one of the questions I like about uh, there's been a lot of memes going around this week about tell me that Pep Guardiola hasn't had <laughs> an impact on English football, or well, maybe the impact that Pep Guardiola has had on English football is making this passing out from the back style really fashionable. So loads of teams with inadequate players are uh, do it because it's fashionable, and then they make all these mistakes. And fine Man City can do it, and although they also had some errors this weekend, uh, everyone else makes the mistakes and they concede loads of goals. I mean. What Watford, like I think you were mentioning actually, that they, they are obviously bottom of the table and that's a huge result for them being 2-0 down. But I think they comfortably look really bad uh, and I think they may actually struggle this season because I don't think some of their players that have performed previously are, are, are stepping up to the mark so far. So that is a game that Arsenal I mean, it's it's two points lost but it almost feels like three points lost because it's, so, it's such an advanced position and then to drop it like that against an
0: out-of-form team they've got to be kicking themselves. All right. And the one thing that these rule changes as well brought in at the beginning of the season, obviously the rule change of uh, a defending player can receive the ball in the box. And you knew as soon as that rule got in, that Arsenal were going to shoehorn that into their play, even when they didn't need to do it. And I just feel this, I saw something on Twitter, which is, is absolutely fantastic. And I can't remember who it was from. So apologies, but they said um, on the lead up to that first goal, um, Watford have a shot, it shanks out for a goal kick, but the referee and linesman gets their wired cross and give a throw-in right at the corner flag. Arsenal get re- are really angry at it, they wanted a goal kick, so instead they have to take a throw-in. Anyway, take the throw-in, it goes back to Watford, Watford shoot, it goes wide out for a goal kick, Arsenal are nice and happy. They settle on the ball, they wait, they <laughs> knock the ball short, short to Socrates, who then... Passes it for no apparent reason straight forward to Fe, who flicks onto Cleverly, and Cleverly scores. And I just think you don't have to do it every single time. Mm. Just because we know Arsenal are known for this wonderful short style of passing, ticky tack, or whatever you want to call it, knocking it around the pitch doesn't mean that you have to do it at every given opportunity. Sometimes just go, like you said, we're under the cosh. Let us just thump this ball up the pitch and just mm. get it away because Abamian's not bad in the air. He's a decent player mm. and. It's just, it's unnecessary. And talk about what's unnecessary is flipping Matteo and Guenduzzi giving it the old 2-1 sign. 2-1. I'd understand if it was like 5-0 or something where you're going to comfortably win. 2-1. He did it in like 70 minutes as well. It's so long to go.
1: <laughs> like, it just inv- like, it,
0: inviting. Jeez. it. like,
1: uh, if we don't need any more motivation, well, he's now he's mugging us off. So, yeah, it's so stupid.
0: Oh, it's just—it's the best thing that I've seen go around for for a long time. Just do it at like four one, maybe even three one, not a two one. Oh, what an absolute mug! But um, I tell you, he's not a mug. Pierre Mokabamiang, man, can just finish anything. Yes. He's just—is he up there with with the likes of Aguero in the Premier League era? Do you think? I
1: would say he's comfortably the best Gabonese striker um, <laughs> I've, ever, I've ever witnessed. Um, I think. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, uh, I think he's definitely in the upper echelon of the strikers in the Premier League. Um, yeah, I would probably say he is. I, I think Aguero, Aguero does have something where, I, I think Aguero, you do think he can score at any time. And, and Aguero very much has the ability to be that, I mean, the, one, the, the poacher-esque, the Michael Owen type hmm. of finisher, where he does just finish stuff. And whether it's he's got being muscle, out-muscled by defenders or back to goal, there is always that opportunity for, um, for him to finish. But I think Aubameyang, like you said, he's, he's very strong in the air, um, incredibly quick still, um, and that's quite surprising as well, as, as he's got progressively older. And, and I thought that would be something that would slow down um, and hmm. maybe not be as impressive when he gets into the Premier League. But he's strong, he's skillful, and he's really impressed for Arsenal. And I think he, at the moment, I mean, they don't look any better um, and I think, you know, Emery actually may progressively become more and more, um, more and more pressure may come onto to him. Yeah. Um, but I think he, Abameyang is the player you need to build around in that team. Um, I think Nicolas Pepe has been a little bit disappointing. Obviously, still no goals for him and he's very expensive, but he is young and you've got to give him a chance to settle into the team, and settle into the Premier League. Uh, but Abameyang has to be the focal point.
0: Yeah, with, without a doubt. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's up there for top goal scorer again at the end of the season. Uh, just that, did a little Google on Gabonese strikers. Remember former Hull City striker Daniel Kuzan? He, he was Gabonese. <laughs> he he's the manager of Gabon now. He, yeah. scored, he scored 13 goals in 56 appearances for
1: Gabon. I think I feel like um, Aubameyang could tell the Gabonese FA now that
0: he wanted to be manager and he, <laughs> and he would be manager. <laughs> yes definitely he's already scored 24 and 59 for gavon so he's he's already beaten daniel kuzat right after the break we'll talk a little bit of bournemouth we'll talk the shock result at carrow road and we'll probably have an update on some left field predictions that haven't quite gone to plan catch you in a second does anyone here like magic hello welcome back from the break right let's uh, let's go straight into the shock result of the weekend Bournemouth won a game. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. Um, to be fair, I could have equally said Manchester United won a game and that would probably be more shocking. Uh, but no, it's, it's at Carrow Road. Norwich, newly promoted Norwich, beating Manchester City three goals to two. Do you see that coming? Absolutely not. I mean, I think the odds on uh, Norwich winning
1: before the game were 25 to one for the bookmakers, which is, uh, I, I think, for the, has been the highest odds on, a, on a, a home team to win a game in something like five years it's, it's incredible odds um, I did not see it coming I think they've had a fantastic start to the season they've obviously Pookie won player of the month last month as well for his goal scoring achievements but what a shock result um, and, and in fairness to Norwich I think they probably deserved it in the end it was tight at the end and you could see a lot of the fans were screaming for the final whistle and I saw some videos um, that were sh- shared on Twitter about the actual joy from the fans at the final whistle and some mm. of the players and that is exactly what it's all about Um beating the champions at your own stadium
0: uh, if you're a newly promoted side I don't think it gets much better than that. Oh, they just play some really nice... football. Well, I don't know if you saw the the Norwich um, Twitter account as well. They posted, uh, I think it was like three or four clips um, from the game where City have got them like pressed in their own box. Mm. And Norwich just like, we're not going to thump this long. I know we were just talking earlier about Arsenal doing it. But Norwich are just better. They just knock the ball around so well mm-hmm. and they just go, no, we're, we're going to trust the way we play. And I think that's one thing that Daniel Farke has, has got to get absolute mad props for. They've played the same way mm-hmm. since the start of the season. They were a bit naive against Liverpool and they got very much shown for that. But I think just the way they play football is has been so good. And I'd even say, I mean, obviously at the moment we're recording Aston Villa are playing West Ham, so we don't really know mm-hmm. how that one's going. But I can't remember the last time the Premier League had three newly promoted sides who came up and just played very nice, distinctive st- styles of football.
1: Yeah, I think it's been very impressive actually. Um, I still think two of them are going to go down. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I've been very impressed. I think Villa, Villa have been impressive without particularly getting the best results. Um, but you feel that they're a good squad anyway. Sheffield United have been outperformed and what everyone's been expecting of them so far and, and and obviously Norwich have been great because they've you know they've put the ball around and stuff like that and and but they've got this incredible goal scoring machine up front in, in Team Ipuki. Um Yeah, I think it's been impressive. I think City's issue is is at the back now and the the miss mm-hmm. the the absence of Laporte and I think even people talking this week about the absence of of company and and how that's impacted their um style of being able to play out and the confidence. I mean, we're talking about David Luiz everyone, but Otamendi also has that about him the ability to Get caught on the ball, and that's what happened with the the Pookie goal. Um, mm. But it's 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 interesting. I, I think I think actually the response Pep's given after the game. I think it, obviously very very complimentary of Norwich, but he's been very complimentary of a lot of the teams they've played. And I think when they've been close to not getting results, and things like that, and um, I think the over complimenting, so almost the patronising remarks that post game, I think are mm. relatively funny. And it's something that Mourinho did as he started to um, wind down his career at specific clubs, and obviously people like um, uh, Chelsea and um, and Man United as well, it's sort of undermining his own squad. And, and there is there is a gap there, I think. Um, obviously, they weren't willing to pay for Maguire in the summer, and obviously United got in ahead of him, and I think he's probably going to be a reasonably good signing. And maybe he is a bit unhappy about what's, uh, the recruitment they had over this, this summer, and maybe that's his way of pointing it out, but... One interesting thing about the league at the moment is obviously Liverpool are five points clear at the top of the table. Uh, that's the most uh, points clear a team has been at five games into a season, so first to second place. Um, so Ooh. that's actually an, uh, a big milestone for Manchester United to catch up. Liverpool had a bigger gap at Christmas, I think, last year. Was it was at 10 points. Um, so obviously they can do it and everyone does sort of confidently <laughs> feel like Liverpool will bottle at some point. But I, I think actually... Liverpool have a much better defence than Manchester City do, and I think arguably they have a better attack at the moment with the, with the front three of um, Mane,
0: uh, Salah and Firmino. So City do have some ground to make up. Yeah, no, for sure. One thing that I think will play into it, I know we're only at the beginning of the season, injuries will play um, a big part. I think City just have the squad depth. I know they lost, they've lost, they just lost an Norwich, but... Obviously yep. De Bruyne started on the bench in that game after absolutely dominating Scotland yep. um for, for Belgium. I, I can't remember who it was in the Belgian squad. Sorry to randomly go off piece. They said that um the game against Scotland was like playing San Marino, which is just is so that is absolutely demoralising yeah. if you're if you're Scotland to think. You've possibly got one of the best left backs hmm. in the Premier League in, in Robertson and then a Kieran Tierney who's probably up there as well and you've got other good talent spread around and you're being compared to literally an entire team of part-timers from a small <laughs> island off Italy yeah that's not,
1: not clearly great for them but I, I mean talking about the squad depth of yeah, I agree I think mean, that's I think injuries could impact Liverpool a lot more than, well a lot more, we say that, but then obviously Laporte's gone and City look like a lot less confident of a team, but I think the attacking difference would, would be a lot more significant if they lost someone like Mane, if they lost someone like Salah, uh, but I think City's second squad would probably finish sixth in the Premier League, I mean that's how deep they are, um, so yeah, I think over a long season it can um, it, it can be a bit more impactful, so maybe having these sort of issues earlier on in the season, it won't be as much of a worry to Pep at the moment. Interesting thing about Daniel Farka. Do you think he? I think he looks like um, if Roger Federer was homeless for eighteen months.
0: (laughs) i saw someone tweet he looks like a 70s professional wrestler (laughs) (laughs) um which is which is also fair i'm googling him now because i just need to make sure yeah yeah no i i do see that he looks very different without a beard as well yeah yeah i saw that photo as well yeah clean clean shaven he's like a different man but he does look like roger after he's he's retired for a few years put on a little bit of weight yeah um yeah, that's fair. Fair, fair shout. Uh I'm never going to be able to unsee that now. No, no, I? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Big Rog, manager of Norwich. Uh, before we move off the Norwich Manchester City game, now is probably a good time to mention we uh, men we made some left field predictions at the beginning of the season as part of like a whole season prediction scope sort of thing, which we will update at Christmas as we get to the halfway point. But it's I'll give a mini update now. I'm not getting any points because I've already failed with both. My ones were that Brighton would do the double over Manchester City, mm-hmm. did not happen. No. And the second mm. one was that Delia Smith was going to give it the absolute big one at Carrow Road against City, saying <laughs> Let's be Avenue at half time. Yeah. But she didn't, even though they were fucking winning. She could have done it for the just just the banter because yeah. they were winning. <laughs> Come
1: on, Delia. I mean, I haven't done much better. I, mean, Gra- I said that no one would get sacked this year, and Javi Grassier got sacked after four games. So, not 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 great. Ooh.
0: Yeah. Do yeah. You know, did you see um, Unai Emery? Uh, sorry to jump back in time, Unai Emery was with Javi Gracia in Spain when Gracia found out he was sacked. Yeah. They, talk- they were talking about the Arsenal-Watford match. Oh, he got a phone no. call saying he'd been sacked. And he was just like, we were just like at home at my family home. And he was just like, yeah, I've been sacked. And I was just thinking, I wonder what, did he just like close the notebook? Like, we're not going to need this anymore <laughs> then. Family home. <laughs>
1: family home makes it somewhat sadder as well. Like... <laughs> <laughs>
0: why, why have we got no man yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why have i done a, italian. Why I done a, a poor italian accent
1: <laughs> yeah it's tough, tough uh-huh. run, but um yeah i think at watford's merry-go-round of managers is very interesting as so. well
0: yeah it seems to it literally is just the same people mm. like as well i'm i'm waiting for walter mazzari come in to yeah. come back in but yeah. Good luck to Kike Sanchez-Flores and a very good performance in the end to come back from 2-0, which I didn't say before the break. Right. Let's let's sort of do a weird, a weird one, because I want to talk Bournemouth just because Jack Stacey, uh, again, local bias. He's from around here. Mm -hmm. He went to school just down the road um, in Windsor, made his Premier League debut, Bournemouth won Everton, who... Are so hot and cold. Sometimes they play some stunning football. Sometimes they just look absolute dross. But you had to work for it against them. What did you make of the match? Uh, it was um, an interesting game. It was, it was a game that very much
1: um, could have gone either way. And I think we were probably a little bit lucky to what looked to be comfortable winners in the end. Um, I think the second goal, the, the Fraser free kick, which sort of took a deflection off Delph, um, was a bit of a sucker punch to Everton. And we obviously scored a third uh, quickly after, with a what is a, a huge lapse in defense from um, uh, the Everton centre back to um, Michael Keane, obviously getting another poor shout out. And uh, uh, <laughs> y- y- Yerry Mina, I think, were just up too too far up the pitch, and then a quick first time ball from Diego Rico over to Callum Wilson. It was in on goal, and I think Pickford sort of shrugged after saying, "Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Where's the defense?" Um, I agree with you, though. I mean, that squad. I thought about this today. That squad is so designed for Eddie Howe. Like it's unbelievably designed for Eddie Howe. Like c- yeah. quick wingers, quick strikers, strong midfielders, reasonable defenders who if they can who can play the ball out, a fantastic goalkeeper who can distribute the ball right. And I just can't work out why they're not more consistent. Um, yeah. They've got such talent. I, I was very excited about Moise coming over um, from Juventus. I, I like Alex Awobi, and I think actually Alex Awobi should have got. a bigger chance, or, or I thought him getting a bigger chance would really show how good of a player he is. Richarlison, Sigurdsson, Yerimina uh, we talked about, Michael Keane as well. There, there are loads of players in that squad that I think are, are class players, but they just don't seem to be able to consistently operate. And I think it actually is an issue that everybody outside the top six has. I, I don't think it is just in Everton, because everyone says to to us, oh, uh, to, to, um, to Bournemouth fans, oh, Bournemouth are just not consistent. Well, we're not consistent because we play the big six 12 times a year. Um, so we're not going to ever have a game like more than four games where we win in a row because you are going to play a big team, statistically. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's taking points off each other. You look at how good Wolves were this se- last season, sorry, um, qualifying for Europe, and now they're second bottom, and God, they do have European fixtures as well. But I, I still did think I expected more from Everton, um, and I, I have been disappointed with them so far this season. I thought Calvert-Lewin played well. I like him as a striker, and, and his goal, although I think potentially could have been a foul, but um, he took it really well, rose well in the air, strong, strong um, header, and comfortably scored in the end. Uh, but I was very impressed with how Bournemouth played. Uh, I, I, Karen Wilson needs to be scoring goals for us to be successful. Um, and actually, after a disappointing result against Leicester um, before the international break, this was a fantastic way to bounce back. Um, Ryan Fraser started on the bench, which I think was a bit of a message to him to say you haven't been good enough so far this season, and him coming off and scoring was a fantastic um, response um, but yeah a good team performance that I'm really pleased with and it's great to see Jack Stacey who I think looked a bit nervous initially I mean first Premier League start I think they're going to but Diego Rico was confident as well at left back and got two assists
0: so I'm really pleased with him as well Can't let Diego Rico get too big for his boots though because uh, that position needs to be filled by Charlie Daniels yeah. for six more appearances this season and that's that's all that I need <laughs> um, Because I need to get some points on the board for that prediction. But no, a a solid win for Bournemouth. I I think Marco Silva is going to be in trouble soon. Mm -hmm. I I really do. He was, at some point last season, he was in a bit of trouble. And then he sort of got himself out of it with with a few wins on the bounce. And then he sort of steadied the shit. But I think at some point, maybe before Christmas, he's going to be in real trouble again. Because I just... They're so hot and cold. Like, yeah. It's not even like one of those taps where you can make it lukewarm in the middle. It's literally a hot tap and a cold tap that come out independent of each other. Mm-hmm. And you have to like, mix it together with your hands when you want it to be <laughs> a normal temperature to wash your face in the morning. Um, that's what Everton are. There is, there I, is, there is,
1: there is, sorry, there is a problem as well. that um, I, I do wonder about who they would go for. So Everton yeah. aren't traditionally the team that will go for the unknown manager from abroad. Um, they'll usually stick to you because I think they they see themselves as the the constant winners of the Everton Cup, um, so they do need someone who's a bit more proven than someone who you take a risk on if you're between tenth and sixteenth, right? Um, yeah, so, and unfortunately, Eddie is a, a was apparently a a uh, Everton fan as a child, so I do think there is potentially legs in that. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. I think the pressure at the moment is going to be on on him to get results. And, and maybe he can get them, maybe he can turn them around. But there just doesn't seem to be a consistent goal-scoring threat for them. I think that's going to be a big issue.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, and especially on the where they get their managers from. If you look at their last managers, Marco Silva obviously tapped him up, essentially poached him from Watford. Mm-hmm. I know he got sacked from Watford before. Sam Allardyce, just a proven Premier League manager, has been around enough clubs. Ronald Koeman got him in after he'd done well at Southampton. Roberto Martinez got him in after he'd done well at Wigan. Mm -hmm. And then previous to that was David Moyes who'd done well at Preston. That's probably the the most left field one. But when you have such a consistent manager in David Moyes, because he was good at Everton, Mm -hmm. they haven't really strayed away from that path of hiring someone from abroad, like you said, or just giving someone who maybe is a bit untried and tested a chance. So, it will be interesting to see who they do replace it because I do think he'll go before the season's end. Right. I'll tell you who's not going before the season's end. I hope. Ole Gunnar Salsa. <laughs> Obviously, he, uh, he's had a hard start to the season, but a 1-0 win over Leicester is big. Is It shouldn't be understated, I don't think, because going into this game, and I, I will say hand on heart I was one of them, I said, that Leicester were going to win it. Brendan Rodgers is tactically a better manager than Oli. Oli doesn't really do well when he comes up against sides who know how to play against him. But fair play, they ground out a 1-0 win. Uh, It could have been two. Rashford hit the bar with a free kick and a couple of other chances went begging. De Gea had to make a couple of saves as well. But that is a massive result, I think, for Manchester United, which is, is odd to say. But at this point in the transition, I think United need to be given credit for that sort of win. Yeah,
1: I, I and actually, yeah, it, there was a lot of people who said they were, they were going to lose that game. So it is it is very important that they pick those type of results up um, without the players that were in the squad. Um, obviously, Pogba missing and a, and a few others as well. Um, Rashford maybe scoring a penalty uh, without uh, Pogba re- breathing down his neck. And I thought Scott, <laughs> Scott McTominay was probably your man of the match, in my opinion. And uh, again, Pogba not bring it, breathing down his neck. So there is um, reason for hope. Those are the type of games that I think... Um, you have to grind out if you're going to finish in the top six. And, and I think, obviously, uh, drawing with Samson for the international break as well, it's it's good to get that win again. And I think probably the really good news for you is obviously today, David De Hare signing a new contract as well. So he'll be at the club until uh, at least 2023, I think. So that's um, a
0: yeah. good sign, good sign, uh, signing for you. Or yeah. um, he's such an important player. Yeah, yeah de- definitely, without a doubt. And that's been sort of hanging over for for a long time. And and I wonder if that's led to the reason why he's not been as solid as usual. Hopefully that he sort of kicks on. But yeah, Rashford penalty, Scott McTominay, it's becoming a feature that he's consistently putting in very good performances. Uh, There's a reason why Mourinho created that Manager's Young Player of the Year award and then gave it to him in that that random last season that he had. But um, yeah, a good home win for Manchester United to get them back on track. I saw a tweet from, uh, it was one of those United fan accounts. I'm not sure which one, but it just said, looks like the title race is back on, boys. We've closed the gap to City to two points. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everyone can dream of this at the start of the season. right? Absolutely, yeah. Bloody lovely. Uh, One thing I did want to mention, Tammy Abraham did score a hat trick. Tim, that one's for you. I know you're not here. That's going to add a couple more million onto the price tag when we buy him in a few years. (laughs) (laughs) You you are looking. It will happen, but to be fair, Tim has made us eat our words because at the beginning of the season, I think we all said, we all. I mean, I said I'd prefer Bacuayi because I thought he was a better player, but seven goals in three games, very, very uh, very nice indeed. And Wolves, you mentioned earlier as well, not doing too well with the old European, um, European exploits in the week. I wonder if they'll struggle this season. Um, they are at the moment, but let's see if he turns it around. I think a talk sport show the other day, someone was like, get him out of our club he's ruining our club to Nuno Espirito Santo. And it's like, mate, no. Mm. Well, there was an interesting thing. I don't know if you
1: saw this today that um, the owners of Wolves have said that they're looking for further investment in the club to take them to the next level. And I, now that there's one way that that's in- interpreted as well. They're trying to push on and be a big, big six club, but there's the other way of looking at that. And that's a, a polite way of saying that
0: the owners actually want out. And I will do wonder yeah. which one it is. Yeah, no, definitely. And, It'll be interesting because I, I don't know which way that that goes. They had a great first season in the Premier League and I predicted them to finish um, in, I think I even said top six. Mm-hmm. I can't remember now, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what happens there. And, and if new owners do come in, mm-hmm. whether or not they'll like the same style of football that Nuno's playing, because as we know, owners always like to get their own people in. So yeah. that'll be an interesting one to watch for certain. Uh, right. As always, we finish it off with our talking points. Any interesting little factoids or funny things you picked up from this week?
1: Uh, I did see a fact that uh, James Milner. I don't know if you saw this. Um, Damn
0: it! Sorry.
1: Oh no, you go go, because I I don't. I don't know the actual number, so
0: no, it's all you. I asked first. It's you. Uh, It's all you.
1: So he. Do you know the exact number of
0: days? Yeah, I got the tweet in front of me. Go on, you go. Go on. Um, Ah, you're too kind. So yeah, James Milner has now been a Premier League footballer for exactly half of his life. This is from um, Rich Jolly on Twitter. He said it's been 6,154 days since his Premier League debut and that came exactly 6,154 days after his birth. That is <laughs> it's isn't it? it's so wonderful. Yeah. Uh, the, oh,
1: the, 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 the only other one I had was um, uh, Ansifati scored for um, uh, for Boston this weekend against Osasuna. And he's a 16-year-old pl- kid uh, from, uh, I think it is Guinea-Bissau or, uh, yeah, Guinea-Bissau. Uh, I mean, 16 years old, score- scoring, I mean, it's incredible. And he's got a 100 million euro release clause. And you do wonder by the time he's 19 whether that might even look like a bargain. So congratulations to him. What what a, a, a fantastic
0: achievement. Yeah, he absolutely ripped Valencia to shits as well. I saw some of the highlights. It's- He's going to be one one hell of a player um, one, one thing that I saw as well um, I don't know if you if you saw this one this one was um this is not recent, but it came up on my Twitter and I just wanted to mention it. Um, it was a game uh, between Malta and someone else i can't I can't remember mm-hmm. who it is i've got it in front of me um, Slovenia, and it's when the national anthems are playing. Have you seen this no. And the stadium PA announcer accidentally plays "Numb" by Linkin Park instead of the Maltese <laughs> national anthem, and it's ding, it's ding, just ding, the ding, it's ding. just the beginning bit. So it goes ding ding ding, and then it cuts off really harshly, <laughs> and, and it zooms in on one of the Maltese players, and he's absolutely pissing himself. And I just, I just saw it on Twitter today; it was bloody lovely. That's amazing. That is brilliant. That's very good. I'll um I'll stick it up on the uh, on the game time Twitter account, uh, and then the last thing, which isn't football related but it's sport related, so I'm going to mention it. Have you seen this hype around um, uh, Pokemon today? I, no, I saw it <laughs> trending. I didn't. I didn't what, what happened? So, um, if you're a fan of the anime TV series back in the day, he never won the the Pokemon League. Okay. He always like finished like in the quarterfinals or the runner up, and they finally let him win it in the last like the series that aired the other day they finally let him win it and sports nation who are like a sports twitter account um tweeted breaking news 10 year old ash ketchum wins the Aloha championship for his first pokemon league championship in his 20 year career <laughs> <laughs> huge good for him we've all been rooting for him so that's great news. yeah we've uh, we've absolutely loved you type ash so congratulations enjoy the trophy um uh, you deserve it. Right, I think that, that about wraps it up. We'll be back potentially this week. The Champions League is back. That'll be um fun, right. as a main, fun as a Man United fan to watch. And I'm a ball of my- fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, Spurs and Chelsea both in it. So we'll just let the other two do the pod yeah, for, for the rest of the week. Um, and we will have our weekly Terrible Tens predictions and other stuff as well coming up later this week. Tom, thank you very much. Cheers, mate. It's been a pleasure. Remember like, rate, subscribe on whatever podcasting things, Spotify, iTunes, whatever you want to listen to us on. Or go to gametime underscore pod on Twitter or email us. Email Isis. Don't email Isis. Email Isis. <laughs> <laughs> is subliminal sublim- <laughs> sublim- Start a jihad. Do not email ISIS. Email us at GameTimePodcast One at gmail.com until next week. Just to stay out of trouble. Please. <laughs>